This is a special episode of Postcards from Midlife brought to you in collaboration with Tenor. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Lorraine Candy. I'm Trish Halpin and we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Lorraine and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens. Welcome everyone to a special bonus episode of Postcards from Midlife in which we are teaming up with Tenor to talk about what often isn't talked about during perimenopause, those embarrassing symptoms that can have a huge and debilitating effect on our everyday lives. Yes, Trish and I both know only too well that some of the symptoms can be really debilitating and that we can often think it's only us suffering um, and that there's something wrong with just us. And we get too embarrassed to talk about it, even to our GPs. And these are things like pelvic floor issues, incontinence, little leaks, heavy bleeding, vaginal dryness and itching, lack of libido. It's a bit of a gruesome menu, (laughs) I know. Um, But we want to reassure you that there is help available and you most definitely are not alone in suffering it. And joining us today to help us break these taboos is one of our favourite menopause warriors, Lisa Snowden. She's going to be telling us about her menopause journey, as well as all the exciting things she is up to in her life right now. Yes, she's just won MasterChef, which I'm not surprised about. Not with that chocolate tart, Trish. You know how I like a chocolate tart. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And her little face when they announced she'd won. Oh, I know. She had a a little cry. It was so sweet. It was brilliant. Um, But we love seeing midlife women on TV, don't we? Smashing those awful hot flush cardigan wearing stereotypes. That's none of us. Not (laughs) us, not us. Even though we are doing a a fine line in knitwear today, I would say. (laughs) It's a bit cold outside. But we have the very glamorous and fabulous 50-year-old Lisa joining us shortly. But before she does, it's worth us explaining what is going on with our bodies when they start to go haywire during menopause. So we know, don't we, Lorraine, that our estrogen levels start to drop in our early to mid 40s, and they also just fluctuate all over the place. Um, And the fact that we have estrogen receptors all over our bodies means we can experience over 40 mental and physical symptoms Mm. from anxiety and depression to joint pain and very dry skin. Um, And in terms of our pelvic floors and vaginas, as estrogen levels decline... And and vulvas, Trisha. Well, I've just about to say the wrong word. I was going to say, as estrogen levels decline, the tissues of the vulva, vagina and urethra can become thinner and lose their elasticity. And, um, And of course, there's a reduction in lubrication of the vagina and the pelvic floor muscles also become thinner and less flexible. Um, so that can, of course, cause incontinence problems and painful sex, among other things. Yes. So replacing your estrogen, though, with hormone replacement therapy, HRT, usually rectifies a lot of these symptoms, um, along with vaginal pessaries, uh, which are now available, aren't they? More Mm. readily available. And of course, there are exercises you can do like Pilates and things that are crucial for strengthening your pelvic floor. This is all the stuff we wish we had known when we started going through the perimenopause, isn't it, Trish? Because we both had a range of symptoms that weren't very nice that we shared between each other, didn't we? Well, we did. But I have to say there is one that I haven't spoken about before on the show, mainly due to embarrassment, actually. And I have to be honest, um, Mm. But as today's episode is about breaking taboos, I'm just going to come out with it. Go on, then. Gosh, one of my symptoms, can't believe I'm going to say this, was a very, <laughs> so, 
very damp and sweaty groin <laughs> area. Oh my god, it's I'm... not uncommon. No, it's not uncommon. <laughs> um, but I don't feel that you've told me this, and we've been no. friends quite a long time. So in your safe space with me yes. and our listeners, what happened, Trish? Oh, gosh. Well, it was while I was still editing Marie Claire in my mid to late 40s. Um, and you know what it was like? You would have yeah, these very busy. long meetings with your team about editorial ideas, brand development, commercial partnerships, spent a lot of time in meetings sitting down. and But by the end of them, my lap would be totally drenched. Okay. Mm. It was just, it was very, very strange. And it's um, frightening, isn't it? It is. And as regular listeners of the show will know, because you and I didn't know we were going through perimenopause, which is why we started this podcast in the first yes. place, I just thought I had no clue what was going on. I really yeah. didn't understand what was wrong with me. Um, but I just knew I had to wear dark trousers. I had to bring spare underwear with me into the office. And if I was wearing a skirt, I didn't have to bring. <laughs> a spare pair of tights too as a walking lingerie mm. closet mm. I have to say and I'd often have to wait for everyone to leave the room before I stood up because it was just I was so you know embarrassed about it but of course that has been sorted since I've been on yes. HRT but I'd kind of wish I, if I'd known at the time yeah. I might have kind of got some help I might have used pads I might have done something to kind of while yeah. I was doing the pelvic yeah. floor exercises and waiting for the HRT to kick in I can I think I would have tried to get proper help rather than suffering in silence and also you'd have been able to talk about it in front of mm. other women in the room because it would have been something that wasn't so horrifically frightening and embarrassing it was mm. just something we knew could be a possibility I remember um having as many women do exceptionally heavy periods around mm. this time and I remember being in a meeting in one of the places where I worked and, and not being able to get up until everyone had left the room because oh I knew that everything that I was using tampons pads yes. had, hadn't worked and I had marked the chair I mean it's oh. really upsetting for women yeah. I mean HRT again sorted that out for me if you can't take HRT there are other things you can do um, around this but knowing it's coming I think is probably the way to approach this which is what we're all about and what we're going to do a bit of today isn't it yes so I hope this might help to reassure some of our listeners and we do urge you to see your GP if you are suffering yeah. symptoms that are unusual or debilitating um, and you can always connect with and get support from our brilliant community of midlife women on our private Facebook group too where you can post a question anonymously as well if you still feel a little bit too embarrassed about it. Yeah, there's some really wonderful women there who've all been through it and who will be able to help you. And I'm sure that our chat with Lisa today will be really helpful too. So let's meet her. Today's guest is TV star, model and menopause activist Lisa Snowden. We'll be chatting to Lisa about her personal menopause and perimenopause journey and finding out why she decided to break the taboo and talk about what she went through in public. Lisa is working with Tenor as a menopause advocate to encourage other women to talk about the shame that exists in society around women and ageing. Her symptoms first appeared in her early 40s with anxiety and depression causing her to turn work down. She suffered heavy periods, weight gain, insomnia, thinning hair and night sweats before finding out what was going on and being prescribed hormone replacement therapy. Determined that other women shouldn't go through what she suffered in silence, Lisa began an informative and an uplifting series of weekly Instagram lives for her 425,000 strong following with the menopause care expert, Dr. Naomi Potter, called Midweek Menopause Madness. 
Lisa, who turned 50 this year, also presents a self-care podcast called Get Lifted with Lisa Snowden, which was inspired by her IGTV series, Self-Care Sunday. She is the current MasterChef champion and was one of our favourite Strictly Come Dancing contestants, finishing third. She shared a primetime Capital FM radio show with Johnny Vaughan and appeared in I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here in the Jungle in 2016. Earlier this year, she helped ITV's This Morning launch their menopause campaign and the show received a record 7,000 phone calls and it normally gets around 200. She says of the campaign, I'm passionate about wanting women to reclaim their lives. Women have suffered in silence for years in this horrible place and that's unacceptable. They have pelvic floor issues. They can't leave the house because they're bleeding so much. They have weight gain, no get up and go and headaches. Women in their 40s and 50s who have worked really Really hard and got to great positions in their jobs suddenly feel they have to quit because they can't cope anymore. They're suicidal and it breaks my heart. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, Lisa. Hello, thank you for having me. Well, it's lovely to finally have you on. Also, I want to say a big thank you from us and I think many of our listeners in the community because you were one of the first women in the public eye to talk about menopause and perimenopause and everything you did, your lives, I think is so, so helpful. But tell us why you decided to talk about all sorts of things. I mean, quite personal things out loud. I think because I was so lost for a few years and I didn't have any information. I didn't even know what perimenopause was. So when I finally started to get a handle on things, I just felt like I wanted just to be so transparent and honest about what I was going through. Because like I said, I felt very lonely at times, very lost, and there just wasn't enough information. There wasn't enough people talking about it. Um, and so I think that's that's the reason why I just, I've got such a great community and I've just never been afraid to be, you know, kind of warts and all, just throw it all into the mix. Like, what are you feeling? What's happening to you? That's kind of why I did it. And it just really resonated and I couldn't believe the response and the messages that I was getting from women who were feeling similar symptoms. And we kind of worked it out together. It was a real sense of like, you know, that sense of belonging and community, which has been such a game changer and it's helped me so much. And not wanting other women to be lonely or lost or not understand what's happening to them or not recognise who they are and for relationships to start breaking down and all the horrible things that can happen if it's left unattended basically Mm -hmm. because you do feel like you're going crazy don't you yeah yeah. I think like us I mean I think we feel like we were menopause detectives because we had to do all the work and and find out like like you did yourself but were there specific symptoms um, that you had Lisa either physically or mentally and and how long did it take you to join the dots because it took us a while didn't it yeah it took me quite a long time as well looking back it's so strange because Working with Tenor, I've seen the research they've done and talking about the lesser known symptoms because you think, you know, menopause for me was a word that I knew and I thought that was going to come much, much later in my life. So a menopausal woman didn't look like me. It was somebody much older, um, much more frail. And I just thought that it was your period stop and that's it. So looking back now, there were physical and mental symptoms. I think perhaps I had a really weird turn when I was in my early 40s of vertigo and I'd never experienced that before. And in hindsight, I now know that that is one of the symptoms, the Mm -hmm. vertigo, the dizziness. Um, And I definitely, definitely got that. 
So that was one of the first symptoms. But then anxiety, I started to get really anxious out of nowhere. Um, couldn't process things. You know, people would come to me and say, can you do this job? You know, this is coming for you. And I just panic. My first reaction would be like, oh, dear God, no, I can't do it. I just can't do it. Very low moods, like dark, sad, over-emotional. Mm. And I'm pretty perky most of the time you know I'm not super super down I'm, I'm quite I'm quite a happy person not all the time because that would be sickening but um, <laughs> you know it was low moods depression anxiety not being able to process anything um leaving the house some days I'd just be like oh god no, I can't do it I just prefer just to curl up and, and not leave then my cycle started to go really crazy and erratic so rather than the 28 days it would come every 23 days and then every 18 days and then really heavy flooding also didn't want to leave the house because I literally would be bleeding through my clothes within 20 minutes just all of those symptoms and they sort of come you know like one month you'll be struggling one thing and then Mm. that sort of you'll park that and then something else will come on in and so that was a kind of like a mixture of symptoms just coming in thick and fast And I didn't know what it was. I honestly didn't know what it was. I thought I was just overworked, overstressed, unhappy, even though George and I just got together, back together, because we've been together years ago. So there was no reason for me to be down. I was really happy. But I would just turn into the absolute devil from hell. I would have these rages that would just come out of nowhere. We'd be having a lovely evening, a couple of glasses of wine. And then on the way home in the cab, I'd just be like, what happened we having such a nice evening it's so debilitating isn't it I know I mean you've mentioned it Tenor's research shows that we just don't talk enough about it particularly about the really intimate and embarrassing um, symptoms things like vaginal dryness urinary leaks all those pelvic floor things as well so how do we break down the barriers for women when they come up against you know not getting the help they need for the lesser known symptoms what, what would you advise to help women feel kind of comfortable with the uncomfortable what what have you learned I think it's just about communication. It's just about being honest about what's happening. It's about talking about all the different symptoms, pelvic floor issues, the urinary urinary incontinence, the UTIs, the repetitive bladder infections that, you know, you might be having a really healthy sex life and then you'll just all of a sudden, every time you have sex, you are in agony and you need to go and get antibiotics. Um, it's, you know, the, the like I said, the dizziness, the tinnitus, there's all sorts of things because we have estrogen receptors everywhere, as you know, from the roots of our hair to the tips of our toes. And when that starts to kind of deplete, we suffer, all of us, with very unique symptoms. And I think we just need to highlight all of them, the lesser known symptoms, not just the periods going, you know, haywire, not just um, the, the anxiety and depression, which of course is a massive side effect and symptom, but the things like, you know, your gums being really sensitive and bleeding and, and ulcers and, you know, your mouth mm. and just the skin changes. There's so many, I think there's 60 yeah. counting different mm. symptoms. Thankfully, we don't have all 60 no. <laughs> varied and I think it's just amazing we just have to highlight you know the fact that you girls are doing what you're doing we just need to keep the conversation going and just keep talking about all of the symptoms the more common ones and the less known ones as well just so we can pinpoint what's happening to us so we're not waiting too long to get the help we need because Mm -hmm. it is a sort of avalanche of symptoms that come at you and I think the sooner you kind of work out what's happening you can get a handle on what decision 
you want to go down, what what road you want to go down, whether mm -hmm. it's HRT, whether it's just lifestyle tweaks. Mm -hmm. yeah, that would, that and, would and the people around you, it's really important as well. That's a really important piece of the kind of puzzle, isn't it? And you mentioned the lovely George in the cab on the end of one of, you know, your sort of rage. <laughs> We've all had them, the rage episodes. How did he deal with it? And how did he support you through this? I mean, he's incredible i'm very lucky to have that support and i'm very lucky that i'm able to go to him and be honest about what's happening and not also understanding what's happening and he was just very patient he was very kind and loving and he i think he must have he, i mean we've spoken about it and he's like you know every day is not perfect we're not perfect you know there's going to be good there's going to be bad and i'm here to support you and be there i love you so i think that he's just i've just really lucked out the fact that i mean it took me a bloody long time to find him let's be honest and to actually <laughs> have a happy loving relationship but um yeah he, he literally came at the right time and the worst time of my life. Um, yeah, he's he just was patient. And I think he realized there was something happening that I had no control of. And so he's just been there to try and help me work it out. You've been through fertility treatment with George, haven't you? At the same time, or I mean, how does that fit with the perimenopause symptoms? Because it's quite hard. It's just hormones isn't it yeah it's hormones so I I didn't do fertility with George but we spoke about it yeah so, um we got together when I was 42 right so right at the beginning yeah right, so right at the two and I'd already had a look into freezing my eggs and kind of the different routes that I could go down so when when George and I got together I did say to him that this is going to be a tricky time if you do want to have a baby we need to act now and I had spoken to fertility doctors and then we did go to one doctor together. You just reminded me, Lorraine. He just said, you know what? And we've seen so many of our friends go down this road, spend years trying to get pregnant, you know, remortgaging the house, the heartache of it not happening. That we just had a very sort of realistic take on it. And he just said, look, I love you. And I just, I just want to be with you. And if it's just you and me for the rest of our lives, then that's going to make me happy and it took all that pressure off mm. you know there's not obviously there's days when I just see him and I think oh god I'd love to see a little George because he's such a little oh. like spotting aviation geek and I love that about him <laughs> he's so smart and fabulous and I know you know of course you know if you love somebody there's what you ideally would like to do with um, you know is to, is to have a family but he just took all that pressure off and it just made it easier for me to process and just sort of almost park it. That's not to say it hasn't been, you know, it was very tricky and I always thought yeah. I would be a mum. But it was it was that moment when I went to the first doctor, when I finally had realised that this could be perimenopause and I went to a private doctor. I'd already been prescribed anti antidepressants from my local GP because um, I went in there just, just frazzled and just burst into tears and like so many women we hear about they are then you know told that they're obviously very stressed and very upset and, and they need antidepressants and I just had a feeling I was like you know what I'm not that girl even though they play a huge role I do understand that you know that they, they do serve a purpose and they can really help I just thought this isn't what I need and then two years later I asked a friend and she recommended a doctor and he did the tests, blood tests, and they came back. I remember sitting in his office and he said, yeah, you're, you're perimenopausal. And in he goes, that means no children. Um, he was very cut and dry. It was really mm. brutal. I felt like I'd been kicked in the stomach. Mm. He said, how do you feel? Because, you you know, you're getting old. Um, oh. There's no kids. It was so, his bedside manner was just, 
hideous and you know when you put your nails into your hands to stop you just just to take that pain away from what he was saying I honestly felt like he'd kicked me in the guts and I was just like choked up you know I knew because I'd been to all these been to different doctors spoken about the egg, egg freezing I still just thought there might be a tiny chance mm. that we might get pregnant so yeah that was the sort of the sort of final sort of nail in the coffin and I just walked out of there and it was like that was a reality check I didn't stay with him very long (laughs) it's tough isn't it because you know again as you say for so many women I mean it has got so much better but getting the right help from a GP you know it's hard enough recognizing what you're going through and then if you come across obstacles you know with your GP just putting you wanting to put you straight onto antidepressants you know and if you're somebody who's never had any mental health issues or needed antidepressants before why would you suddenly need them in your mid-40s what uh you obviously had a difficult experience but um from the work that you're doing now do you think it has got better and what should women be saying to their GPs I think it definitely has got better. I think a lot of us women are doing our own research. We're doing mm. our, you know, we're, we're, we're swatting up on everything so we can go to our GP and say, no, 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 this is what's happening. So what I always say to my ladies is uh, it's to take somebody with you firstly to your doctor's appointment because if yeah. you are at your wit's end and you haven't been sleeping or the sleep deprivation and the, you know, the anxiety, the emotion, you know, the night sweats, all of that stuff that keeps you up, um, take somebody with you because you might not actually be of you know in the sound way. mind sound <laughs> mind without wanting to sound like we're absolutely you know actually crazy um so I would take somebody with you I would also have a list of your symptoms and things that are happening so you can just be you've got that very small window in that doctor's surgery maybe seven minutes I don't know what it is but it's quick and you want to get your point across and you're like so excited that you've actually got your appointment so take somebody with you get a little checklist all of your signs and symptoms how your cycle, your periods are or aren't. Um, And so you can just go, bam, this is what's happening to me. And then fingers crossed, you can get some kind of resolution. I think that, you know, doctors and quite rightly so will rule out anything, you know, do some extra tests, et cetera, especially if you're under 45, just to rule out anything, any sort of other things that could be lurking around. But I think 45 and up, if you go in with your list and it's clear cut that you're definitely perimenopause then there should be no arguments and you should be able to get your HRT if that's what you want yeah I definitely would recommend it if you can do it do it and also you can ask for a second opinion can't you as well if you don't you feel that you're not helpful now we loved the tenor advert um the channel four advert which won all the awards because it was just so brilliant it actually portrayed women across the generations talking about something that's been taboo for a while so let's talk a bit about shame because i think one of the reasons we don't share what we're going through is we're a bit ashamed that we're failing somehow that we've as you've said before it's my fault that i haven't got the hang of this that i feel like this how do you talk to your your friends how does one talk to friends and people around them family and ask for help because generation x women very bad at asking for help yeah and i think it's never spoken about you know i think my mom and my grandma and all the women that have come before us that have just had to just deal and just sort of swept under the carpet and just felt hideous I, i just my heart breaks for all of the women that have just had to like deal with it on their own and not being able to speak to their husbands and their children of, you know, the, maybe the relationships broke, broken down. Maybe they've had to leave work. So it's so important that 
the younger generation knows and that we're able to discuss this within our families, um, that we're able to ask for help. This is just a little blip in the road that just needs a little bit of extra love, care, attention, support. It's frustrating because the menopause woman gets sort of frowned upon and, and laughed at and ridiculed at work. You know, it's like, oh, God, don't ask her. She's going to burst into tears. Oh, gosh, have a hot flush. Leave her alone. And it's it's so disrespectful and it makes me so angry. And I think, you know, with pregnancy, women are celebrated. So they're in the office and like, oh, yeah, my brain and I need some time off and I need to go for my scans. And that's sort of, you know, that's accepted and and celebrated. But for us ladies who are a little bit older that are struggling and, you know, we we contribute so much to the economy we are fantastic and we've got to the age where we're at really accomplished and it's just awful that there's not more understanding and support at this time in our lives so it just needs to be discussed with with the younger women in the office with the younger men in the office it just needs to have a bigger voice and more understanding and just gentleness around this subject you know it's uh do you need some time off do you need more flexible working hours? Have you been struggling sleeping? Do you need, you know, your uniforms to be different materials? Do you need better working conditions, more air conditioning, fans? Just needs to have more understanding at this time in our lives. It's not like we've got this really infectious disease that everybody's going to get. This is just a little, like I said, a little bump in the road that just needs a little bit of, just a little bit of tweaking. Were there any resources that you used that you found helpful or ones that you've come across now that you think might be helpful for books or websites or apps or what could people look to for some some help other than listening to your podcast and our podcast, of course. Exactly. Your podcast is incredible. I've got my podcast. I do my midweek mentals madness with Dr. Mm-hmm. Potter, So we do those. We've done them for nearly two and a bit years. You know, that sort of stuff. I, I found really helpful because every day is a school day for me. I'm still learning. There's still so much to learn when it comes to perimenopause and menopause. And, and like we said, the symptoms that are going up and up and up in about 64. That's been powerful for me because I just learned so much from women because we talk mm. about all of these different have you ever had that itching on your skin where it feels like there's bugs yeah. crawling over you? That's another really unusual symptom where you feel like you've got spiders crawling on your feet and then that adrenal surge at night when you're like, <gasps> and it's just by talking about it and learning more from each other, we can throw it onto the mix and feel less alone and understand more about this time in our lives. Um, there has been some books, so Cracking the Menopause with uh, Mariella Frostrop. She, for me, is fantastic and has been one of the pioneers, I believe, when it's come to the menopause and talking about the menopause. I remember watching a documentary that she'd done years mm. ago, and she's written that book with Alice Smelly, and they've got that book together. The Perimenopause Solution with Dr. Shazadi and um, Emma Bardwell. So there's books, those yeah. books have been really helpful. Um, and just... Yeah, just talking to doctors, I think, about it, watching different lives and um, and just speaking to other women, really. That's mm-hmm. what's really helped me. Now, you've turned 50. I mean, who knew Lisa Snowden <laughs> was going to be 50 one day? I just it's such a surprise when the women of our generation turn 50. How do you feel about that? How did you celebrate it? And what does that mean to you now? Well, I surprisingly feel fantastic I really do um I if you'd asked me a couple of years ago when I was sort of still trying to find the right balance of HRT I was you know I was really in uh, out of sorts not feeling good at all but going into my sort of this year turning 50 I just was like I felt like I was just getting started I felt like I just 
I care less about what people think of me, which is so refreshing and such a lovely feeling. Um, I feel excited about the future. I want to say yes to more things that scare me. And I and that's kind of how I feel about menopause. I feel like it's it's the start of something new rather than it being, you know, the end of your life. So I'm really positive about it. It it's a, it seems like a big number. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> like when you said Lorraine, I'm like, wow, where did that come from? How did that sneak up on me so quickly? Um, but with that in mind, I think it, it has come around quickly. So we have to grab life by the balls and go and do things we want to do. You know, mm-hmm. stop wasting time worrying about stuff, just trying to go out there and do it. Now, that's not to say that, you know, it's still a delicate balance of trying to juggle how I feel from day to day, sort of mentally, physically with my hormones, because HRT isn't a silver bullet. It's not just like to take it and you're going to be fine. You know, that needs a bit of readdressing occasionally and I also need to look at like what I'm eating how I'm sleeping the things I'm doing day to day like movement and things like that so it's good for my brain and good for my body but yeah I feel I feel good I feel good Mm -hmm. it doesn't scare me I just feel like I don't want to waste another day doing stuff that I don't want to do well, we're we're a little bit ahead of you, Lorraine and I. Me, me a bit more so, as Lorraine likes to point out quite, <laughs> quite frequently. And we, it, you know, we absolutely agree with you. When you get that menopause blip and you get over it, this time of life, the fifties, I think, is just absolutely amazing. But you're right to say that you can't ignore your 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 body, your diet, your exercise. You do have to kind of put in a bit of work with that, don't you, to kind of really maximise it. So what specifically do you do in terms of diet and exercise, Lisa, to look so amazing and have so much energy? Oh, God, you're so lovely to say that. If you'd seen me a few days ago, I definitely have any energy. <laughs> exercise is hugely important. And that's something that if I don't do a class or get to like, I I quite like resistance training. I think as I've gotten older, you know, weight training has been really important for me because obviously we know that we need to increase our muscle mass, look after our bones. And I think that that is fantastic for us ladies as we're getting older. So resistance training, whether it's with weights or your own body weight is massively important. So I do that. And I like Pilates on the reformer. I think that's a really great way. And I love a class because you're kind of in it together and I can F and blind and be <laughs> be vile to the teacher. And, and it just, you know, you can just, I don't know, it's just a really nice energy. And, and also I can't walk out of that class because it's a class and other people are there. But if I go to the gym by myself, then I'll be like, oh, I'm done now. I'm just going to go off and have a steam. So getting into a class is really good. It's good for your body. It's good for your mind. It's good for that camaraderie of people in the class. And I think resistance training. I like to move as much as I can. So going for walks, getting out in nature. I found that breath work is really good at sort of grounding you and taking you just to a really good place where you can deal with anything that comes at you that day. So I found out that the breath speaks the language of the nervous system which I think is a really beautiful way to kind of look at it. So those sort of <sighs> stressing, you know, those sort of real shallow breaths that we take when we're putting pressure on ourselves, um, that's going to raise our cortisone levels, which are then going to, you know, spike everything in our body, the inflammation, and that just isn't a happy state for us. So those sort of deep breaths, just 10 minutes of breathing, just to get you into a good place. And then if you feel like you're, stress is rising throughout the day then take yourself off and do another little 10 minutes of breathing trying to be more mindful 
Mm-hmm. I think us women have been so amazing, or we thought at multitasking, but actually, I don't know if I am that good at multitasking because I don't know if I do anything. Like I can do ten things at once, but are they? Am I doing them properly? So I try to slow everything down, write my lists, and do things in order, and just do it a bit more slowly. Um, what about diet? Did you find because for you know for many women that whole midlife middle putting on weight, the menopot as the they menopot. call it, which <gasps> just like caught us all by a surprise. Oh, we were goodness. like, "What's this? Where's this?" Yeah. So, did you have to rethink or readjust your diet at all, or did you yeah, find that the exercise, the change in exercise, was enough to balance it out? No, no, absolutely not. I um, it's <laughs> it's a whole still it work is, in yeah. progress do you mm. know what I mean it's and you add wine into the mix all those sort of liquid calories that are just so delicious and you're just like oh I love a glass of wine turns into a bottle um so yeah that tummy all around my tummy my back it definitely spread mm. and so what I try to do is I try and do a little fasting a couple of times a week eat earlier in the evenings if I can obviously some days you can't if you're actually having a life and seeing your friends but if you are at home maybe have your sort of lighter meals towards the end of the day it's just sensible stuff really Mm. smaller portions you know get good protein in that's going to keep you fuller for longer make sure you're incorporating fiber your vegetables um it's tricky because this is a time when we should be nourishing our bodies and it's it's we're kind of battling with ourselves or i'm speaking for myself here because you're like oh i need to fast because i don't want to i want a little calorie deficit but at the same time we do need to nourish ourselves because we do need that you know amigas from the food and the fish for our skin and all the goodness from fruit and obviously fiber etc so it's a bit of a balancing act and i try to do fasting a couple of times a week just in the morning we're like you know for about 12 to 15 hours so just no breakfast then or a later breakfast breakfast. yeah yeah no breakfast and then my first meal will be like midday Mm -hmm. and then just making sure that I'm having good food that's going to keep me fuller for longer and make me less likely to snack Mm -hmm. because I think the snacking is where you know it's it's yeah it's not good for us it all goes wrong with the snacking doesn't it It and did you was it depressing for you because you you're someone who your part of your past has been you know on the cover of those what they call lads magazines in your bikini you you know that you were known for this phenomenal body the Lisa Snowden body everybody wanted to look like you as your body I mean we've all been through this as your body changes suddenly one doesn't look like who you think you are in the mirror anymore does that how did you deal with that emotionally well I put on three stone and it was quite a shock because I I didn't I don't have scales so it wasn't until my clothes my bigger jeans didn't fit that I was a bit like mm, no problem here and then I remember asking George to take a photo of me on holiday and I was in this beautiful idyllic you know onsen in Japan and they, he took a picture of me and from behind and I was like oh, excuse me who is that <laughs> <You don't> really, <laughs> don't yourself. Mm. who's that linebacker that was in I honestly was, it, <laughs> was such a shock and um so and then I decided to look in my wardrobe and start trying things on and nothing fitted and that for that me that moment was it was a bit depressing and I did sit there and when I was in tears when all my favorite clothes did no longer fit me mm. um but then I just thought you know what I've got to like I've got to put the work in because you know I've always known that as you get older your metabolism slows down then you throw menopause into the mix and it's just like it's mental it's absolutely crazy so yeah I had to up my exercise I had to just be a little bit more cautious about what I was eating um, and just look more into the nutritional kind of content of the food and what we need and what we don't really. So obviously less. But you've been really mindful. I've watched a lot of your lives. You've been very good about 
accepting and being happy as you are now? I mean, I know that's a journey for all of us, isn't it? But what what tips have you got for women who, who are looking in the mirror thinking, I'm just, this is not me anymore, but actually it's brilliant to be a different shape and size as well, isn't it, as long as you're healthy? We didn't appreciate what we looked like when we were younger, did we? Let's be honest. We look back at photos and we think, oh, I didn't want to wear this and I didn't want to wear that. But you look back and think, oh, my God, I have nothing to worry about. So I think that now we have to live more in the moment and be like, you know, what? we don't look like our 20-year-old selves. I'm happier than I was when I was 20. You know, I sort of, like, I know who I am as a person. And I think my advice to women, you know, it is, some days are easier than others to have that sense of acceptance. But I think you have to see how far you've come, what you've achieved, you know, look at your beautiful family that you have, look at the body that's birthed these beautiful children and just learn to just, I don't know, we just have to park it a little bit and be like, you know what, and start loving the body that we are because this is the only body we're going to get. And it's like if we're still continuously sort of at odds and fighting with it, then that's not a happy place to be. Mm. I think get kind of lighting Get rid of those spotlights. Have candles everywhere. <laughs> Don't look at your ass in the changing room. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. You no, know, it's just little tips. If you're on holiday in the bathroom that you're not used to, don't look at yourself in that. It's just you know, just being kind. But then if you do, just say, you know, well, I accept these little extra lumps mm. and bumps. You know, uh, look how far you've come and what you've achieved. And I think that those other little insignificant things should just hopefully pale into comparison when we realise that we do have our health, and that that is such, you know, I mean to have like you know I've been hit with a few like health scares through my life and I just know that if I if I wake up and I feel okay and I feel good and I want to get up and embrace the day then that is such an achievement and I think that I think we have to think about those things more than all that little bit of cellulite and that Mm -hmm. little extra lump and bump Mm -hmm. It's gratitude for what we have, isn't yeah. it? The gratitude that we can wake up every day. And as you say, we're healthy, our bodies work, all of that kind of thing. Yeah. It's so much more important, isn't we've, it? We've got people that we love in our lives, you know, I think all those silly things, you know, and I get it, I do the same thing, you know, I sort of like look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, but then I think, oh, okay, just put on some slimming jeans and onwards. <laughs> onwards and upwards. Yeah. Lovely <laughs> tinted moisturizer, a bit of shimmer, <laughs> off, off we go. Now we so loved seeing you on MasterChef. It was so exciting. And you were so overwhelmed when you when you won. How yeah. was that? How was that? <laughs> it's all a little bit of a blur still. I don't remember them really saying my name. So when I watched it back, I was like, oh my God, I had no idea how how it kind of went down. Um but yeah, it was such a great it was amazing to do. They asked me and I was like, oh, they've asked me before. And I was like, no, 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 no. I love that show so much. It's going to put so much. Can I handle the pressure? Can I handle the stress? Can I handle not having a glass of wine while I'm cooking? You know, do I have to cook under such a strict time frame? Mm-hmm. And I thought long and hard about it. And then I thought I'm just about to turn 50. And everything I said to you, I was like, Let, I just have to face the fear. I have to do it. Like, you know, but I knew that I had to put, a lot of work in and just try my hardest really because I love cooking. What happens next for Lisa Snowden? What do we see next in your big fearless 50s? <laughs> Gosh, um, well, I'm hoping from MasterChef that people kind of get to see me in a different light, you know, so rather than like you said, all the sort of modeling back in the day, etc. I mean, I love doing my fashion on this morning. I love helping women. That's kind of what makes me tick is seeing women come into their own power. You know, with this morning, like, we get our viewers and they come in and they're a bit like, oh, 
and then they go into glam and then we get them like we fit them out and get them all kitted out and they look fantastic and you see them kind of walk onto that catwalk just beaming from ear to ear and that makes me tick like it really makes me buzz um hearing from women on my social that they've got their hrt or that they you know that they're feeling better and that they're hearing from men on my social that you know i've helped we've helped dr dr potter and i have helped them to understand what's happening to their wife so that they can be there for them and that their family's not going to break down and their wife isn't going to leave them or leave work so all those kind of things i want to continue to do and that's kind of at the top of my list i would love to do some more cooking i would just want to eat my way around the world i just love, <laughs> just love eating okay or oh, you should do a cooking travel show that's what you should do lisa cooking travel show <laughs> cooking travel fashion show there we go <laughs> Areas and, can we come uh, with you yeah, packing, <laughs> packing cooking traveling with lisa that's it there you go <laughs> let's it, do man. it brilliant <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on finally coming on to postcards from midlife and also thank you for helping i mean i know you've helped hundreds thousands of women with the work you do so thank you for that as well thank you girl thank you so much da, da, da. <laughs> every week a new noodle yes. single for you. Yes, this is Nostalgia Noodle, a little reflection at the end of the show about something we Generation Xers experienced in our childhoods, teens or even our 20s. Should we do embarrassing noodles vaguely body related for this special episode? Well, what have you got for me? I haven't got a body related one. I've got a, an a embarrassing moment from Trisha's traumatic child. <laughs> We wanted to tie in with the embarrassing theme, okay? Yes, but we weren't. Yes. So my, this, I still have this memory. So clearly, it's uh, it's it's a bit traumatic for me. Do you remember when you left junior school and you would get a little autograph book and you'd get all the teachers to write in your yes. autograph book? Um, you did you do that down in Cornwall? Did they have autograph books in Cornwall? In the they 90s? did. Yes. Good. My comprehensive. Yes, we did get one of them. <laughs> okay. Well, this was junior school, so I would have been about. 11 I suppose and there was one teacher Mrs Tyler I think she was called that I needed to get to get the full set and um my mum dropped me off and I was in the car park and I saw her and I was like right got to got to get this ran across the car park everything spilled out of my bag my sandwich spread sandwich my club face down Trish face down I was face down everything was around me it was all very embarrassing and of course there had to be you know the the group of cool girls were standing pointing and laughing oh I feel sad for little Trish poor little Trish and, um, and I was so embarrassed, but I did get her autograph. So I suppose is that all was well in the end. <laughs> well, the but thing it's is, interesting. I'm burning with yes. shame. I burnt with shame about falling it's over. Still it's embarrassing sad. you now, isn't still it? Embarrassing right? me now, exactly. What about you? You must. I'm sure you've got a few embarrassing well, ones. On the autograph from the teachers' front, oh, I don't yes. think I would have got such a welcome response. No. <laughs> Asking for every naughty Lorraine autograph. Well, I don't think naughty, more just a bit annoying, just talkative, Mm. constantly Mm. chatting. I spent a lot of time outside of maths classes. Mr. Godfrey, he would not have signed that autograph book very well. (laughs) Um, I suppose I can remember one that involves, do you remember when you were in maybe your mid-teens and Mm. you wanted Toya Wilcox hair? Everybody wanted that amazing Toya Wilcox hair, plaited. Yeah. So I would go to bed. I would make my mum and my sister, but we would plait it really tightly. I had quite long hair then. And then when it was wet, 
Mm. And then keep you keep the plants in as long as possible, and then when you take them out, the hair's oh, obviously mad punk yeah. Toya Wilcox yeah. hair. So one day I thought, well, I'll keep it on all day. Why? Why take it out? So off on a Saturday shopping up up the supermarket with my mum, and I thought I'd put a hat over it because that would be ridiculous, <laughs> wouldn't it? Going out with it like that, like a loony. And we we get to the supermarket, and Miss Pengelly is there. In the One supermarket, of the what sports she teach? teacher. Oh, sports She's sport. not liking of She's me. Tough. <laughs> yes, okay. Not keen on me. Chat, chat, chatting in the changing room, taking too long to change, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And as I'm, she says, "Oh, hi, hi, Lorraine." And as I'm chatting to her, what has happened? And I haven't really noticed it. Is my hat's come off? Oh, so I'm stood in the supermarket with this bonkers hairstyle, <laughs> chatting to one of my teacher that liked me the least and I do remember just sort of as I turned around just thinking oh no my where's my hat what I've sort of hat it. was it that it woolly hat woolly hat woolly just hat a little off. bobble hat oh, yeah okay. a very That's thin strange. one very, very small strange. one and that, that just, strikes me as a that moment that it brings me brings me a little bit red and I think oh, oh. god how and awful. did you take the plaits out later and did you have fabulous it was brilliant yeah yeah Good crimpy hair before, because no one could afford the crimping situation, no, the so you do exactly. it yourself. And then yeah. a lot of hairspray, an awful lot of hairspray. A lot of hairspray, yes. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of this bonus episode with our partners, Tenor. We hope you enjoyed that and found everything that Lisa's had to say helpful and encouraging and supportive, especially if you are suffering any embarrassing symptoms. Yes, I really enjoyed that and learnt a lot actually from Lisa. Please do download your episodes from your podcast provider and uh, maybe you could leave us a little review and then join us if you would like to on our private Facebook group where you can discuss this kind of thing in private and if you want with other women as well and thank you very much for listening and we will be back in december with a special christmas episode it's a a little christmas stocking filler we're calling it aren't we and that's going to be out on the 11th of december goodbye goodbye